Okay. So thank you, everybody. We have the class this evening is in memory of... Mordechai ben Chanukah. Ben Chanukah. Everybody enjoy the sushi. Normally we say breakfast in the class. Now we have sushi in the class. Okay. So we read this week the Perashah Re'eh. We begin the Perashah Re'eh. Anuchi noten lefnechem hayom berachah klala. See, I am placing before you today a blessing and a curse. The first question is, what does he mean, see? How do you see? You could hear, but how do you see? Is the words written on a wall? It's interesting, the Ben Ishchai says something really, really wonderful. It's really not part of the class, but I thought it was a beautiful thing to think about. He says that if you look at, he says, He says the word Hayom is really not necessary. I'm placing before you, period. We don't need Hayom. Some people say Hayom, we should realize Rosh Hashanah is coming. Rosh Hashanah is depicted as Hayom. But here the Ben Ishchai says, what is Hayom? He says, Hayom. Five days. You have a choice to enjoy five days or to mourn five days. What are the five days you have a choice to, to enjoy? He says, Echad, Yom Rosh Hashanah Shehu Yom Tov. He says the first one is Rosh Hashanah, which is a Yom Tov. And the Bet, he says, is Yom Rishon Shel Sukkot. He says the second one is the first day of Sukkot. The third one is Yom Shmini Chag Atzeret Shehu Regel Bifiatzmo. He says that that Shmini Atzeret is a holiday onto its own. The fourth one he says is Chag HaPesach, and the fifth one is Chag HaShavuot. He says if you enjoy these days and celebrate these days, he says Ve'im Hayu Yisrael Shomrim Chamisha Yamim Tovim. If they watch these five days. Elu kehil chatam. These according to their laws, heyu notzlim min chamisha yamim raim. They would be released from the five bad days. And what are the five day, bad days? The first yom som gedalia, the first of the fast of som gedalia. The second is asara betevet. The third shiva asar betamuz. And he says the fourth and fifth are the ninth and tenth of av. He says, because if we were strong enough, we would fast on two days. So he says that a person should make a choice in life. You either could celebrate the good days like they are, or you end up with the opposite, with the, with the five fast days. The Orach Kadosh, he looks at Re'eh Anochi, and he asks, why did Moshe employ the word seeing? Why do I, in connection with the words of a blessing? He says also... What's it called? He says, says, furthermore, why does Moshe say Anochi? Call himself Anochi? How could he use such language? And he says also, why does Moshe say Re'e in the singular instead of Re'u? In plural, he's talking to all the people. And the rest of the the sentence is in the plural. So the Orach Hayim says, I believe the wording of our verse is connected to the message Moshe Rabbeinu wants to convey. That the people should learn to set more store by blessings which will accrue to them in the hereafter than the blessings which accrue to them in this life. He says that a person has to have a deep appreciation of the value of the good to be experienced in Olam Haba. And he says, how could Moshe Rabbeinu be the one talking about this? Because Moshe personally demonstrated success in his own life. Moshe, remember, was a king. 
Moshe, before he became the head of Bnei Israel, he was a king of a nation. Moshe was wealthy. Moshe had everything that a person could want. So since Moshe had achieved all of this, and also Moshe had spent all this time in heaven, how many people could tell you that life in heaven is good, except the guy who can go there and come back? Moshe Rabbeinu is the one rare person who got there and came back to tell us about it. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu, is, he, he wants to apply the term Anochi to himself to make it as if he's bestowing the blessing. He invites the people to look at him as a personification of the truth of what he's about to tell. He attained all the honor and glory that it's possible to attain. And therefore he has, a, he has the ability to promise these things to these people. He continues, he says, Moshe had something else in mind. When he says, Re'e look at me. He says, Rambam explains in Hilchot Teshuvah that every person has the potential to become like Moshe Rabbeinu. Every single person. He says, take a look at me. Everything that I accomplished in my life, you are able to accomplish as well. Whenever a person aspires to serve Hashem, he shouldn't look at people who are below him. He should look at people who are above him. The rabbi always said, you know, when it comes to people with money, we look up the ladder. When it comes with people with spirituality, we look down the ladder, okay? We should reverse. We should look up the ladder to someone. So we should look up to Moshe to aspire to be like Moshe. The, the, the Midrash, the Sifri, says something also very interesting. He says, the life and death I set before you and the blessing and the curse. He says that Hashem puts two ways before B'nai Israel. And a person has to realize in life that the key to life is free will. The key to our lives is free will. We have a choice that we can make. He says that a person should, should think that he's at a crossroads all the time. And stretching in front of him are two paths. There's one path that looks like it's difficult. It has thorns in the beginning. But once you get past the thorns for the first few steps, it's all clear. He says, then the other path, it's very clear in the beginning, the first few steps. And it's deceiving. Because once you get past the few steps, it's filled with thorns of the rest of the way. He says, too many people try to take the path that looks good in the beginning. He says, but the people should realize that two or three steps, you're going to walk in thorns. And in the end, you're going to walk on level ground. Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to explain to Bnei Israel. For two or three days, they're going to prosper in the world. And in the end, they're going to be cast away. So people have to be, understand that Hashem is giving us free will. Rashi on Pirkei Avot, he says that free will is given. It's given into the hands of each human being. And he bases it on this week's parasha, on this sentence. You all have free choice, he's saying. You choose. Ramban goes further. He says, don't think that in Hashem's blessed existence of knowing all actions that anyone is compelled to do something specific. Everyone still has free will. In Moreh Nevochim, he goes further. He says that the fact that God knows things while they are in a state of possibility, when their existence belongs to the future, does not change the nature of possible in any way. You're going to say, oh, but it's already done. God knows what I'm going to do. But that doesn't stop you in the moment from exercising your own free will. We all have the ability to have free will. The students of Rabbeinu Gershom, they say, according to this, all sublunary events are determined by the celestial bodies. He says there's going to be people that say, 
Everything in our life is determined by mazal, all the mazalot. He says, no, for sure, that you can oppose the determinations of the mazal when it comes to you. And then also I saw the Sifat Emet, some, something beautiful. He says, He says that every person should realize that he has the ability to choose between good and bad. And he says, every single morning we make a beracha. Why do we make this blessing? Who gives the, the rooster the knowledge, the understanding to choose between day and night. Why do we make this blessing? And even we can make this blessing before it's day and night. If we make it before, it has to have something other than the rooster. It has to do with us. Just like the rooster decides between day and night, Sechel could choose between good and bad. All decisions are up to us. Now the issue really we have with Re'er is, is, is a hard to understand on its own if we look at it. It says, Re'er Anochi, look, I'm giving you a blessing and a curse. It seems if you do good, beautiful. If you do bad, boom. The problem that we have is we grow up with a concept of God as little kids and sometimes that concept doesn't change. The concept of God is almost like the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. I am the mighty yeah, you know, the mighty Oz behind the, the curtain. What is he saying? We imagine God, it's like some video game, right? He's sitting up in heaven. He got his finger on the button. And if you do something wrong, boom, and the guy hits you with the And God is just waiting for you to make a mistake. And what's he going to do? Punish you. Boom. Punish you. Boom. Punish you. Boom. That's the, that's the image that so many people have of Hashem. That it's simple. Reward and punishment. I do good. Shem blesses me, I do bad, boom. And, and how many people stand up at the, how many preachers, they preach uh, brim, what is it, fire and brimstone. You know, they freeze, that's it, God is going to hurt you, destroy you, God is a jealous God, God is. The problem is, you know, and, and we have this, this uh, the anthropomorphic God, you know, we think of God like as a, as a person, like a king of flesh and blood who just wants to take vengeance to anyone who does evil. And you have to realize that in this time, in our, in our time, the, the way the world has grown, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. And on one hand, we could talk about Yeridav Dorot. But at the same time, we're entering Yemei Mashiach. And we're spreading knowledge. And it's hard for a sophisticated person to accept that there's a God who created the world, who keeps the world going, and all he wants to do is play a video game, and you're, you're uh, you know, the plumber guy, and you know, he's banging you over the head with a hammer. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all, but this is really the image that so many people have of God. And the problem we have with the image of God that's expressed by religion is if you're a Christian, the only person who can go to heaven is a Christian. Everyone else is doomed. If you're a Muslim, the only person who's going to heaven is a Muslim. Otherwise, you're doomed. If you're a Mormon, the only person who's going to heaven is us Mormons. Even though there's only six million of us, we're the only ones going to heaven. Everyone else is doomed. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you're the only ones. If you're a Buddhist, you're the only ones. Everyone thinks that they have a monopoly on understanding God. And the rest of us are doomed. And a lot of Jews also have this vision. 
that you know everyone else is doomed. But it's interesting, only in Judaism do we say there's a place in Olam Haba for everybody. It says that. So the, the, the question then is, if we're going we're gonna to make this, there's either one person's right, everyone else is wrong, it means the view of the majority of the people in the world is failure. If so, does humanity have any other purpose other than to be a contrast to me? If I, like we said this morning, if I represent, you know, one, you know, one tenth of a one percent or whatever, the, does that, that mean the 99.9% of the world is just there for a joke? Are you doomed? Is Hashem en sof and never ending light? Is he the creator? Is he all powerful? Is he giving? Is he loving? Or is the world haphazard? There's pain and suffering in the world. If you're going to tell me that Hashem is, is chesed, is kindness, what do we have pain and suffering? What's the purpose of creation? What's the purpose? Hashem created us because Hashem wanted to give. So in order to give, I have to have someone to give to. So I create someone to give to. That's us. That's man. So the whole purpose of creation is for what? Is for Hashem to take His kindness and give it to us. Give it to us. So, if that's it, if that's it, that's the endless. That's it. So, how does everything else work? If, if, if it's all about God wanting to give us. Now, person also is a vessel. If I take a cup and I fill the cup with hot water, what's going to happen to the cup itself? It's going to become warm. So whatever Hashem does for me, it's going to affect me and change me, right? Now, if Hashem just wants to keep giving me and pouring into my cup, pouring into my cup, pouring into my cup, and it doesn't go anywhere, what happens? Either He has to stop giving or it flows over the top. So there has to be more to life than Hashem just giving me. We also say that man is created in the image of Hashem. And as God gives and shares, what do we want to do? We want to give and share. So if I take the analogy of the cup of water, what do we want to do when we have our cup of water? We basically want to pop a hole in the bottom. Because if we pop a hole in the bottom, then whatever we're receiving, we're going to share with everyone else. And in that way, we emulate Hashem. Hashem is giving, we want to emulate Hashem, we want to be giving as well. Now there's another problem here. If Hashem is only giving, and I'm only receiving, and I can't do anything to thank the giver, I can't do anything to show my appreciation to the giver, if I come every day and I bring you a loaf of bread, and I bring you tomorrow a loaf of bread, and I bring you tomorrow a loaf of bread, and you want to say thank you, you want to do me a favor, you want to do something back. But I say, no, no, loaf of bread, loaf of bread, loaf of bread. After a while, you don't want the bread anymore. Because it becomes what we call bread of shame. It's something I can't handle. I don't want something that I didn't earn. I don't want something that I can't say thank you for. I don't want something that I can't do something back to the one who gave it to me. Now, even though we can't do anything for Hashem, when this happened, Hashem modified the system to allow us to feel better. How do we feel better? By 
earning the bread. In our minds, we're earning the bread. And if we earn the bread, then what happens? We're tested, we do certain things, and we show Hashem we deserve it. Now, we were just talking, I just, we went jet skiing now. And so they asked, one of the people asked me a question. He says, what's the greatest gift when it comes to raising children? The greatest gift you could have when raising children is to create an independent child. They were asking, you know, they're leaving to go to Israel. Don't you feel? Yeah, of course I feel. But the greatest gift that a person could have is to raise my children so that they're willing to fly out of the nest and be able to be on their own. The worst, the worst punishment I think in the world, the most difficult thing for a parent to handle, and you see it, is when they have a child that will never be independent. You know people who have children that, you know, they're always going to be dependent on their, person, on their parent. And what happens is, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare because the parent worries, what happens when I'm gone? How do I make sure they're taken care of when I'm gone? The whole idea is for us to raise children so that they could be independent. So that they could be able to go to fly on their own. You also have parents that are dependent on their children being dependent on them. So what do they tragically do? They chop the legs out of their kids in order for their kids to fail so that their kids come running home and knock on the door and say, please, daddy, help. Ah, then I feel so good because I'm a good daddy and I'm taking care of my kids. Meanwhile, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to not take care of my kids for their whole lives. I'm supposed to make sure that my kids can take care of themselves. This is what Hashem wants from us. He wants us to be able to be, in a way, independent, at least in our own minds. So it says, the real love that a person has is when they create an independent child. And that child, then what do they do? They look at their parent with tremendous appreciation because you gave me the gift, you gave me the training, you taught us how we can be independent. And and like I say, the, the biggest problem is when a parent creates dependency. The biggest problems we have is when you have dependency issues with children. And that's one of the crazy things that we have in our world today. We have the richest country ever. And we have dependent children that never leave the nest because they had helicopter parents who didn't allow their children to leave the nest. The Zohar says something very interesting. It says that some people come to the world poor and, and their the purpose in coming to the world poor is to give an opportunity to other people to give. To give an opportunity for other people to give. Who get benefits more? The mother who's giving the milk or the baby who's drinking the milk? The baby obviously is drinking the milk, but if the mother doesn't give the milk, what happens? The Zohar Kadosh tells a story. It tells a story about a wealthy man and he builds a palace. And when he's building this palace and he has all these workers doing it, he sees how magnificent it is. He has this, this, this guilt. And he says, you know what? I feel bad for the poor people. The first person to eat a meal in this house is going to be a homeless guy. And he feels much better. I'm building this great house, but 
I have a higher intention. They finish building the house. And he plans this big, big party. He brings the best chefs to come, the best cooks from everywhere, decoration, flowers, beautiful things, and they make this magnificent, magnificent Hanukkah bayit, so to say. And they're all going to come and they're going to have food by the rich man's house. And as they come into the, the banquet hall in his house, he remembers, oh boy, I made a vow that the first person to eat in my house was going to be a homeless guy. So he sends his servant, quick, go to the street, find me a homeless guy. They find him a homeless guy. He brings a guy, gets a chair next to him. Sit here, sit next to me. Fills a plate with everything. Tells all the people, you can't eat. When this guy comes in, wait, sure you don't eat, you're waiting. Now this guy sees the big plate of food in front of him. He looks at all the people. They're all looking at him. And he says, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> okay, And he goes, why is everyone looking at me? And why is nobody eating, waiting for me to eat? Is it poison? <laughs> what's going on here? Am I a monkey in the show? <laughs> I'm the monkey, and the monkey has to do a show before anyone can eat. And then the people are getting nervous because no one's going to serve the food until no one has food on their plate except this guy. He doesn't want to eat. The rich man says, please do me a favor, eat. He says, what's going on here? He goes, listen, I built this magnificent house, but I made a vow that the first person to eat in my house is going to be a homeless guy. And I need you to eat so everyone else could eat. He goes, you think I'm going to be the show? I'm not the show. I don't need your food. I'm out of here. Starts to get up, goes, no, please, I beg you, don't leave. All the people start getting nervous. They're going to leave now. Now the rich man's going to be embarrassed. He says, I beg you, please stay. He tells him the story. He says, I need you to do me a favor. You're going to do me the biggest favor if you eat. The guy says, okay, if I'm going to do you a favor, then I'll eat. Who's doing whom a favor? The rich man giving the food or the poor man who's eating the food? You have to think sometimes that this is, this is the role in the world. The simple image of God sitting up there waiting for us to touch the light and zap. It's not a good image. This is the God of the peasant. This is the God of the Middle Ages. This is the God, no, maybe of the Dark Ages. This is, this is a God of Am Ha'aretz. This is the God of a simpleton. It says, when we feel important then we feel that we're in the image of Hashem. If I'm worthless, I cannot be happy. I cannot get, live a life. I, I, I need, if I'm, if I'm in the image of Hashem, I have to be able to be happy. I have to be able to have a special life. I have to know who I am. I have to know that I'm someone special. So we need a better concept of God. We can't have this simple concept. We need to learn from Sod. We need the Zohar to tell us what is God and how does God relate to us. This vengeful God becomes a tool of man to scare other men. How many people in history of the world used a vengeful God to control the populations? That's how they did it all through the Middle Ages. That's how they do it all over the world. You don't do it, God's going to strike you. But who's really striking you? Me, but I'm telling you, God's doing it. I'm going to burn you at the stake. God is telling me to burn you at the stake. So we need to study. We need to, to learn in order to connect with Hashem on a higher level. We need a better concept of Hashem. So it says that 
that we 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 have to think that given the choice of hedonism or you know you, you have two choices in the world it seems right you could be a totally hedonistic person you could have all everything every pleasure in the world or you could have Suf, sufism where the you know the guy sleeps on the bed of nails he drinks only water and he eats only stale bread what is it is it hedonism that's the height of Abu Dazara. Every pleasure in the world. You know, we talk about Baal Peor. What's Baal Peor? Right. They would defecate in front of the idol. It wasn't that they defecated. It's that anything goes. Anything goes in this world. Do whatever you want. Don't hold back. On the other side, there's total restriction. But what do we have to live? We have to live a balance. We have to live in the real world. But we have to infuse Hashem into the real world. That's the choice we have to make. I'm not going to have the choice of hedonism or living on the top of the mountain and just drinking water and eating stale bread. I have to bring them both together. I have to bring them both together. So we see, what's the relationship that we have with Hashem? The word re'eh is see. It's not see, it's understand. It's a concept, it's seeing with my brain, it's seeing with my mind, it's feeling, it's understanding. It relates in Kabbalah to the aspect of Chokhmah. Chokhmah, I'm connecting to the highest level that I can connect to of Hashem. In Gan Eden, we had a tree of knowledge. A tree of knowledge. Why do we need a tree of knowledge? Because in order for man to be able to earn, he had to have free choice. And he had to be able to make a decision. And his decision was very simple. It was, don't eat. Eat. That's it. That's your free choice. And when he messed up, everything else became part of the free choice. But remember, we can't blame Adam for messing up. Because perhaps the fact that is that we were all inside of Adam and we caused Adam to mess up and therefore we have to fix what Adam did. Because Adam was made up of who? Us. So if Adam is made up of us, we had free choice. We also have to remember that we read, it says, Banim Atem Hashem Elokechem. You are children to Hashem. Hashem is telling us, you are my children. There's no greater gift that we said that a parent can give a child other than independence. But independence means what? It means the freedom to make mistakes. The freedom to make mistakes. You know, imagine the child who's learning to walk. They're learning to walk. And what do you do? I don't want them to fall. I'm never going to let them fall. Guess what? If you never let them fall, they're never going to learn to walk. You have to allow failure in order to learn, in order to grow. Hashem allows us to make mistakes because we have to grow from those mistakes. Parents try to protect their kids, but it's impossible to shield everything. It says, Hashem created a perfect creation. Hashem is giving us everything. It's unlimited, but we couldn't stand it. We, we, we didn't want to feel worthless. We wanted to earn. We didn't want bread of shame. So we created a need for self-improvement. In order to be able to appreciate light, what do you need in the world? Darkness. Because if you don't have a contrast, you don't understand anything. So we have a choice, either to connect to the light, 
to connect to the divine or not to. Because we wanted the choice. We wanted to be able to earn. We needed free will. He says we need free will more than we need shelter. We need free will more than we need warmth. We need free will more than we need love. What distinguishes man from every other creature in the world? Aspect of free will. If you have a child who's smothered, what does that child do? They run away. They can't take it anymore. They want to live a normal life. Everyone wants to live a life of balance. The rabbi told us, what is the world? What does it mean, balance? Balance means a perfect world of free choice. So we always say that, why did Abu Dazarah stop at the end of the first Bet HaMikdash? Why did it stop? It stopped because you needed to keep the world in balance. In the first Bet HaMikdash, Hashem was very real. A person got sick, you went to the Kohen and you asked, what do I spiritually need to do to fix myself? You had a question, you were able to ask the Navi, what do I do? Hashem was very real. You saw miracles every day when you went to the Ben HaMikdash. So what did Avodah Zarah have to be? Just as real. It had to be just as real. You had to have people like like, uh, like Ahab, you had to have people like Izebel, that what did they do? Ahab, he went to the Ben HaMikdash in the morning and he sacrificed, whatever. He prayed to Hashem. He did whatever he was supposed to do. And in the afternoon, he went to the Temple of Baal. Why? Because he saw a reality in Hashem, but he also saw a reality in Baal. And the Baal made him feel much better. Much better. Much more fun. He liked the hedonism side. That was that. So what happens then? It says that, that you need a balance. There's always a balance. There's always a free choice. When we lost the reality of Hashem because the temple was destroyed and Hashem went behind the curtain, what did we have to do? We had to make Avodah Zarah less powerful. We had to take, make it impotent because if Hashem is hiding, then the Avodah Zarah has to hide. So you have to realize, you can't force a person to be spiritual. You, 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 a person either connects or not connects. When we rejected the bread of shame, what did we do? We demanded the ability to earn. And only by earning, only by fighting for it, that's how we could grow. The Torah, we have to work hard. We have to fight for it. We have to do it on our own. They're calling me from Instacart to come in the house. Call Mariah. Thing, sorry, sorry, everybody. So we, the, so we have the, we have the idea that six hundred thousand people were at Har Sinai. Six hundred thousand people. Each of us heard Hashem at Har Sinai, but each of us heard maybe in a little different way. We don't all hear the same thing. You know, it talks about at the end of days we're going to sit in a circle with Hashem in the center. Why a circle? There's three hundred sixty degrees to the circle. We all have a different relationship with Hashem. And it could be two opposing relationships. But at least we're all on the circle. We all have our own way. It says, in the end we have to see. There's a blessing and curse. And it's each of us as individual. I can't walk in someone else's shoes. My free choice is different than someone else's free choice. Because I was brought up in a certain way. I had certain advantages in how I was brought up. I had certain advantages in how I was taught compared to someone else. How are you going to compare? No offense, but I'm going to say, whatever Alex does is worth a hundred times more than I do. Because Alex grew up in a world that it was illegal to, to be a Jew. You had to hide your Judaism. 
And if you practice it in public, what'd they do to you? You were done, finished. I grew up in a world that it was, everything was there. So how could me doing A and him doing A be worth the same thing? Him doing A is worth so much more because his choice is so much more difficult. So we can never look at anybody else. Each of us has our own level of free choice because each of us came into this world with a different set of circumstances and a different set of tests. Each of us stood at Har Sinai, but each of us was in a different spot. We're in a different spot. So we never could think about someone else, but we have to realize that everyone has a test. Everyone has a journey. And the journey, the rabbi would say, is part of the process that helps us grow. Each step of the journey, we have a choice. Bracha, klala. Every single day that you're on that journey, you're tested. It could be a little test. It could be a big test. But there's tests that are coming at you all the time. How do I deal with my patient? How do I deal with my customer? How honest am I in business? How do I deal with the grocery person who's, who's packing the things? What do I do? What do I say to them? How do I do a Kiddush Hashem? Every single day we meet people and every single day we have either the power to influence them, meaning I'm going to take my warm cup. God poured the warm water into the cup that I'm the vessel. I became warm. What do I have an opportunity to do? Take that same warm water and pour it into someone else's cup and make them warm. Or I could ignore. But what happens if I ignore? Then I leave the water in my cup. What happens if you just leave water in a cup and it doesn't flow? It becomes stale and and also evaporates. So so eta beracha. The beracha is you're going to watch, you're going to connect. What's the curse? The curse isn't that I'm going to smack you. The curse is you're not going to connect. You're not going to connect. We said the other day, we said that if a person doesn't have Yisurim for 40 days, meaning if Hashem didn't punish you in some way in 40 days, and that means if I stuck my hand in my pocket and I wanted a quarter and I took out a nickel, I have to think, maybe I did something wrong, let me examine If 40 days go by and nothing bad happens, you have to be very afraid. Because what does that mean? It means that God said, I don't give a hoot anymore. I'm not connected to this person. This person has nothing to do with me. What is the klala? It's a disconnect from God. What's the bracha? It's the connect to God. The whole thing is up to me. Do I want to connect to God? Do I want to emulate God? Do I want to act like God? Do I want to do like God? Do I want to be a vessel that receives and then gives? Or do I want to be a vessel receives and couldn't care less about the rest of the world? Who's the rich person? The person who's satisfied with what his portion is in life. It doesn't mean to say, I don't want you to give me a living. I pray every day. I pray every day, Hashem, you should give me parnasah. But I, I'm going to say, but whatever you're giving me, Hashem, I understand. That's what I have to deal with. That's my test. That's part of my test, is that I have to deal with the circumstances I'm in. And why do I have the circumstances I'm in most likely? is because I was here before, and I messed up. And when I came back, I wrote a scorecard for myself to say, this is the test I'm willing to do. So if we complain about our lives, we have one person to complain to. 
ourselves. Because we wrote our own scripts. We wrote the scripts in order to be able to do the tikkun. So we have to look at what's a blessing. Now it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to think that it's a blessing when you listen. It's a curse when you don't listen. But the blessed person is one who knows how to feel bliss, who knows how to feel happy, who knows how to connect to Hashem, who has this level like we spoke about yesterday of Devikut, who goes from a level of Yid'ah to Ahava, from fear to love to attachment to Hashem. That's a blessing. If I have Hashem always in my life, I'm walking around on cloud nine. Big smile. I'm not worried about anything. The curse is no matter how much Hashem gives me, I have no bliss. You have to realize today that we live in a world of more wealth than we ever had in the history of man. And the wealthiest people, at least in this country and probably in most other countries, are the ones who consume the most drugs for depression. People say, if I make money, I'm going to be happy. But the people who make the money aren't happy because they don't have purpose in their life. A person has to have purpose in their life. It's not about the things. It's about purpose. It's about the choices that I make. It's it's opened my eyes. It's the paradigm that I'm in. It's the ability to choose that I have. I always have the ability to choose. I can't choose my circumstances, but I could always choose what? How I react to those circumstances. I'm just going to finish just with the story, with, with the Stephen Covey story. So the Stephen Covey story, he says is, it's all in your own mind. It's not in the circumstances around you. He gets on a train, a New York subway, one Sunday morning. Gets on the subway, and all of a sudden he's sitting down reading the paper. There's like eight people on the subway call. Everyone's reading their newspaper. The door opens, and a guy gets on with six kids. And these six kids start running through the subway cars, smacking people's newspaper, jumping on the chairs, screaming at each other, fighting with each other, knocking into the people. And what happens in New York City? People pick up their newspaper higher. You know, I mind my own business. And he says, as I'm watching this, I'm getting so angry. I'm getting so angry at this father that's not controlling his kids. I'm getting so angry that I'm sitting on this, on this train And the people aren't saying anything. I'm so angry. He says, and I turn to the father and I say, your kids are totally out of control. And I figure he's going to do something. And he turns to me and says, yeah, we just got back from the hospital. Their mother just died. I don't know what to do. He says, at that moment, nothing on the train changed. They were still running around smacking papers. But what happened? He went from anger to what can I do to help you and your children? Nothing changed. The only thing that changed was my choice in how I look at an event. It's not just the bracha and klala out there. It's either bracha and klala based on what? How I see it. How I choose to live my life. How I choose to accept the tests Hashem gives me. How I choose to say, I am happy with Hashem does and I'm going to do the best I can with what I can and I'm going to emulate Hashem and bring other people closer to Hashem. All those choices are up to me. Bezrat Hashem, we should do. And I'm sure your father lived a life. must have been very difficult, but look what he did. In 70 years of communism, he kept you connected. 
You didn't disappear. You should have disappeared. You shouldn't be Jewish. You should have nothing. But what do you owe him? You owe him not just the fact that he kept you connected, but in his zechut, because he did that, you have boys going to yeshiva. You have boys learning Torah. You have boys changing the world. How? How? Because his test was his test. And whatever his test was, he gave you the ability to live that life. This is the zechut. You went through a, a tremendous test. And the reward for the test is unbelievable. But you guys have to realize something. You got an easy life compared. You have to think every single day, what if I was my grandfather? What if I was my grandfather? What would I have done? And then you have to say, thank you, Hashem. You gave me much better ability. But you have to say, you gave me the better ability. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to just say, oh, I got a good life. I got to drive a nice car. Get a good girl. Live in a nice apartment. No, Hashem gave you a gift to do what? To make your warmth felt somewhere else and to change the world. You're going to change the world. You're going to change the world. You're going to make a different world. Each of you has the ability to change the world. Like who? Like Moshe Rabbeinu. We, each of us, have a piece of Moshe Rabbeinu in us. And each of us can be a Moshe Rabbeinu if we want to be. All of us are going to live up to it. We're going to come to the choice of having Moshe Rabbeinu. Please. Mark Look at that. How difficult to test. But that's also the test on you too. So, Bezrat Hashem, we should all pass the test that Hashem gives us and we should create a much better world. Amen.